Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I'm one of your hosts, Lyndon, a.k.a. Noobzors, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt, a.k.a. Nell. Yo. Reed, a.k.a. Sick Robot. How you doing? And Morgan, a.k.a. Spleenface. What's up, everyone? And in this episode, we will be covering combat in CDH. But before we get into that, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? And uh, I want to I want to kick things off by uh, throwing the floor to Matt because he has finished Severance, which I've been. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did my mandatory homework. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I just Matt, for, if you could. Uh, if you could say some some words about Severance, that will hopefully fucking get Morgan and Reed to. I Linda, watch Linda, as well. I I hope you fully understand that framing this as homework to a podcast full of people with ADHD is not the approach. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's it's the best thing to have to have playing while you're also doing two other things. It's the best. <laughs> Dude, Matt, it's great for our yeah, listeners. Awesome. Also, how good is that show, man? It's so good. It's a nine out of ten, yeah. I think. Yeah. Genuinely, I'm not playing it up. It's it's really good, and I'm on a the edge of a. Morgan, cliff they're actually just conning season. us, and it's like the worst thing ever. But they want everybody else to watch it, so we're all on the same level. I I want every no, I want all my friends to to have watched it, so that I can make like references to it. I want to talk about innies and outies in turn <laughs> from seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's 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 so many so much good uh, reference material in that. Um, but yeah, watch the show. That's my pitch for the week <laughs> we all know you have that apple tv plus trial waiting to yeah, to crack yeah, yeah. It open. um uh, for for reals matt morgan reed anything for you guys uh been playing a lot of vampire survivors again <laughs> after, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> brain disease Zachary. that has taken over our play group yeah zach's zach started <laughs> playing again and uh he's been streaming it a bit on the server and i'm just like yeah that sounds like a good idea i'll, I'll keep playing some more of that Dude, it will we'll literally have like vintage cube one person streaming vintage cube and then like, two other people streaming vampire survivor <laughs> it's <laughs> so good yeah uh, I, was, I, I was surprised when someone explained that it, you just all you control is the movement everything else is auto attack yeah I'm like really wow okay um so so like is getting in a voice chat and everyone's streaming random games just the the 2020s land party? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 a great way to 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 get that scratch that social itch without ever having to leave your house and yeah. <laughs> touch grass outside or be or be social. Yeah, because you're yeah, all yeah. playing your own games. <laughs> it's more of a land. Anyone want to play uh, some like Among Us? No, no, absolutely yeah. not single player games only don't even mute please actually <laughs> let's be real though the way we the way we play vintage cube it's a multiplayer <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, yeah oh yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah speaking of which i guess oh no, no, okay no, no, no. morgan's gonna tell the story actually because it's like the greatest thing ever oh yeah <laughs> i uh i i got to uh just 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 ruin some some poor unsuspecting strangers well, no, you, you did it to two different people back game. to back with the same card <laughs> Turns out, turns out Hymn to Turek is a good card. Uh, 
I, uh, I cast a Hymdeturak, and uh, my opponent discarded Black Lotus and Time Walk. And that's <laughs> turn two. Nice power, <laughs> two. idiot. Take that. So that was pretty good. And then the next game, I Hymdeturak someone, and they discarded a uh, mere battle sphere that I was able to immediately reanimate from their bin. Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> that's Bo- both of those plays netting disgusting. immediate concessions, for the record. <laughs> Two mana win the game. Crazy. The psychological win. <laughs> Dude, remember when Vintage Cube used to be the holiday cube because they ran it the, during the holidays or whatever? Yeah. And then they were like, wait a minute, people like <laughs> this. Is, this. People, and, people are logging into Moto and making to, accounts just for this. Yeah. They pay us money to enter these drafts? Let's uh, let's do this more. Like, how, how many people, like, Morgan, do you use Moto outside of Vintage Cube? Uh, I haven't recently, but like I, I have definitely played other formats on Moto a decent amount. Like I, I, I have not a decent amount for myself. I've, I've like touched them, um, but uh, definitely I could imagine that there's quite a few people like um who play exclusively for Vintage Cube. So Watsy sees these numbers, just like oh, Vintage Cube is back online. Oh, all these like previously inactive accounts are coming back. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, 20, yeah, 20, like I, I played, I played Moto enough that when my account was compromised and they sold all my cards then tried to sell the tickets it was 800 tickets so that's a, that's a pretty it's a lot of scrubbing oh, out rip. dude that's a lot of times you don't have to draft mono white or mono red <laughs> it sure is <laughs> um cool so without further ado uh let's jump into housekeeping and as always in housekeeping we like to give a shout out to our new patrons uh this week we'd like to give a big shout out to Sam S. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Sam. You rock. Oh, um, we're back. Oh, we're back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were back last episode. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think we were back reluctantly back at the last episode. <laughs> this this episode we're we're back in the full swing of things. I dude, I was ready to not say it, but uh now that it started again. The next uh sixty episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, that's uh, housekeeping, and then we've got uh, new developments. Uh, there's a couple of tournaments. Um, well, I say upcoming. I mean they are upcoming, but yeah, they, know, not they, like they immediate, are. immediate. Um, so I'll, I'll throw the floor to uh, Morgan Reed. You guys can. Oh well, we deleted one these. here, but as of the time of uh, us recording this, it is going to be the Baldur's Street Brawl, um, which hasn't happened yet, but will have happened by the time that we. Uh, that we released this episode, so once that's happened, go check it out. It's a tournament being run by the uh, r slash CDH uh, Discord, and they're running it using uh, only... Uh, it's a CDH tournament with only commanders uh, from New Capenna and from uh, Commander Legends 2, which is uh, also known as, what, D&D Baldur's Gate, right? Yep. Um, yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. So Commander Legends, Forgotten Realms, Dungeon Drag, Dungeons and Dragons, Baldur's Gate, or some I think is like the God. Anyway, the full title. Um, yeah, I I think it's gonna be cool. Um, so go check that out. I'm I'm sure they'll post a tournament recap on Reddit or something, and there'll there'll probably be recordings of the finals pod and stuff. So that'll be neat. Um, and actually, speaking of which, quick quick gut check on those. Uh, what do you guys think is the best position going into it? Because this is gonna be great contrast with hindsight after we release this the get the best 
Sort of the best player. Best, best position deck with a commander from uh, Nuke Pendant and Baldur's Gate 2. Or, sorry, Baldur's Gate. Maybe Rafine. Rafine's really good. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't... Rafine's solid. I can't think of anything that's, like... I think, like, it's Rafine, then Rocco, and I think Rafine just has, like, so much more flexibility. I think, unfortunately, Rafine also... I yeah. think Rafine's just got a good matchup versus Rocco, too. <laughs> Well, I think also there's there's something of an unfortunate mm. truth that uh, when everyone's trying to do their, like, clever, commander-centric whatever strategies, that just kind of randomly consulting on people is, yeah. is gonna yeah. be good. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess yeah. aside from that, then it would probably be a Gale Waterdeep Prodigy plus a thing, right? Sign of Halster. I don't know. E- Evelyn is still just, like, Grixis plus World Gorger. Oh, that's true. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, never mind. There, there's some pretty good options, I think. I think maybe Evelyn. Uh, I think Evelyn's probably good if people, if you think people are going to be playing a lot of Rocco, because that deck is not good at developing stuff early if it wants to actually do its game plan in terms of, like, developing stacks. So I think if you think it's going to be uh, Rocco heavy, then Evelyn's probably the pick, right? Try to work with her people. I think the fear, the fear with Evelyn is that if the meta is slow, and it seems like it's likely to be slow because like just generally commander centric strategies are like going to be on the slower side um and this format definitely encourages that then like you're just going to be trying to turbo into people being ready for that and there won't be that like oh somebody else tried to turbo win and I got to take advantage thing because like nobody else in the pot is playing turbo right is is a risk that I foresee potentially making it really difficult to play something like Turbo Evelyn. Dude, the name Baldur Street Brawl, or is that that is that 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 that's what it, Baldur's Baldur Street Brawl? That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great name for combining the um the the, the two sets, but it it sounds like a Hearthstone set. What was the name of that? Morgan, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I can't mean, remember. Mean Streets of Gadgets and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it makes you think of, man. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, You're not entirely off base there. Yeah. Uh, so, besides uh, that, we've got some other tournaments uh, here as well. We do. Uh, we, have, Morgan. we have some upcoming Three. ones. Go for it, Morgan. First one, I guess. Sure. Uh, the first one is uh, Tier 1 Con, which will be taking place in Copenhagen on... The weekend of October, whatever it is, it's August fifth, like or sorry, sorry, yeah. August, August like fifth ish, sixth, um, seventh, I think of August. And, oh, okay, sure, yeah. yes, that yeah. the <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> we got there. Look, August fifth through seventh. There you go. Yeah, there we go. Um, there it is. So that should be that should be pretty cool. Obviously, we uh, we went last year. Uh, and uh, it was it was a ton of fun. They definitely put on a great event, um, and I think they're, you know, gearing up for for round, you know, next verse, same as the first. So it should be lots of fun. And uh, I know Reed and I are more or less locked in yeah, for going. Definitely got to go barring. defend my crown. Yeah. Uh, I obviously barring you know some, it, uh, but it is one hundred percent a awesome time and would recommend if you can make it <laughs> also i believe they said they are in fact the prizes the winner gets a time yeah twister. it is a time twister this time around that's locked so. in holy yeah 
oh, even la- crazier. Last, last time, year. last time it was if they got two hundred entrants, the winner got a time twister. This time it's the winner gets a time twister. So that's uh, pretty pretty hype. They ran out of tools. I mean, time, the, so. <laughs> <laughs> the goal at this point is just to keep winning tier one con and just build my RL collection entirely out of tournament winnings, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is definitely the dream. <laughs> I love how, how Reed said, he didn't say d- the dream, he said the plan. No, no, no. The, 100% <laughs> the plan. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I, think I could just yeah, you just, again. you know, a you know, yeah. couple of years. Yeah, time twister on the line. Don't, and, uh, don't prepare for Next Cody. time we'll pick up, like, that? a survival <laughs> and a bazaar and uh, something like that. And then eventually they'll have, like, a workshop on the line and then I can pick up a workshop. <laughs> what do you need a workshop for? <laughs> yeah, just to have it. <laughs> The collection, the plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we also have Oktoberfest uh, um, listed here under upcoming tournaments. Also uh, being organized by Monarch. So uh, Tier One Con, obviously being organized by Tier One MTG and uh, paired with Monarch. Um, Oktoberfest being run entirely by Monarch. Uh, but it, yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Um, this is one of the. I, I think Monarch is sort of settling into doing two major events every year. Um, so Monarch year and Oktoberfest year. Um, so Oktoberfest will be the second large Monarch tournament of the year, if we don't count uh, Tironcon. And that one's going to be held in, uh, I think it's, uh, is this right? It's Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. So it's the, yeah, hotel downtown Philadelphia. And it's going to be the uh, 28th of October to the 30th of October. Um, it's actually going to be pretty big. They have a capacity, they say, of over 250. Um so that's gonna be pretty hot. Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't have a whole lot of uh, other stuff about it right now. Not a whole lot of details, but we know that it's happening. So have it on your radar. Yeah, we, we've got we've got time. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, we can. We'll we will update you uh, more as the uh, event approaches. Yeah. Or... I, I'm sure. Um, at least some of us are gonna try to make the attempt to get out out there because it's uh it's relatively close. Um, it's a short hop of a flight away or like a day's worth of driving. So. Um, yeah, I think we'll I mean, definitely I'm, try to I'm get definitely, I've a got a flight voucher than I need Copenhagen. to use. <laughs> yep. Sorry, Morgan, say that again? I said it's a lot more convenient than Copenhagen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, certainly. Certainly. Um, yeah. So if you're on a... <laughs> I've got the uh, the flight voucher from the last... Uh, the last uh, one in Seattle, so I need I need to go somewhere <laughs> yeah, within, yeah, get uh, out. within a year or so. Oh, true. Yeah, nice. We'll... Uh, Definitely, definitely make that. that one happen. So yeah, I mean, if you're on the if you're on the eastern coast, east coast of the U.S. or uh, sort of eastern Canada, even Midwest, honestly, of the U.S., uh, should see if you can make plans, see if you can come out because uh, it's gonna be a good time. Awesome. Well, that can wrap up uh, new developments for us and move us into the main topic, which again is combat in CEDH. But guys. Everyone knows combat doesn't matter in CDH, right? Come on. Just like politics. It's, yeah. a, <laughs> it's a myth. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Maybe it was less of a myth at one point, um, but it's it's too long for that myth to, to still be perpetuating. I mean, it's I think it's perpetuating a lot less these days, but you still hear it every now and then. Um, normally from uh, casual players, usually, but uh, yeah, um, <laughs> there is one thing that is uh, <laughs> that is sometimes a bit true, which is that CDH players uh, 
don't know how this, combat this, works. For the record, this is absolutely true. I put it in here as like sort yeah. of a meme, but it is, it is like a hundred percent true. Sad. <laughs> I like I've seen people forget how double strike works. I've seen people forget how trample works in combat. I've seen people just who, like who, not what, at all what know this. Fools would forget how trample works. In- <laughs> who really knows how trample works? Uh, really? People people, people forget that vigilance exists all the time on creatures, like all the time. <laughs> Vigilance yeah. is fantastic in this format. It, yeah, it's people it's don't great, even know how just like, banding yeah, works. Like SMH. <laughs> even the I think, steps. I think the the big thing is is that um you just you can get away with um not really knowing how to how combat works or, or like being super invested in combat in CDH. But you're definitely hampering your overall win rate, right? Like, yeah, it's like it's not a death sentence to not know how combat works in CDH, like it is in like every or other like even magic if you just format, completely ignored, but, yeah, if you yeah. if you just completely ignored combat, you're still gonna get wins in CDH. You're just gonna get less wins, you know, because there there are, um, you know, I guess it's it is just like politics, right? Like, you know, if everyone is just dead there, like quiet, uh, dead quiet, just in the in the pod, um, playing their games. I mean, you're still gonna win some. Right, but you're probably not going to win as much as if you're actively participating, trying to make deals and convince people of things. So, yeah, it's a definitely an asset to um, invest some time into uh, really studying the art of combat in uh, CDH. Oh my god! Uh, hopefully, I, I this episode wording. can serve as a <laughs> as a uh, as a tool to help you out. The art of war. Yes, you, you got to start by reading source. Sun Tzu. That uh, that's <laughs> it's required reading. Um, okay, so what are some uses for combat in CDH? Because I mean, there's quite a few, but it's there's more than just you know attacking my opponent so that he's dead. In fact, that's most <laughs> often that's like one of the least um, uh, frequent uses uh, for combat. Well, so I mean, there's the immediate okay. level one that like every it's like every CDH player's first introduction to combat. Like, baby's first combat. It's baby's first In CDH, which is hit the Nas player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, in fact, it's, 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 a, it's a great, like, thing. To, it's a great, like, phrase to remember. But realistically, the actual answer here is that um, a lot of people, like, there's we start with very high life totals in this format. It tends to be very difficult to actually kill people with, like, a single creature or just, like, playing some random dudes out. So people tend to feel like they have a lot of life to work with and a lot of life to spare. So what does that turn into, naturally? Well, people tend to use life as a resource a lot in this format. Um, Sylvan Libraries, Ad Nauseums, Necropotences. There, there's just... Tarnished Citadels. Yeah, tons of just <laughs> painful mana bases. There's a ton of, stu- of stuff that in this format that just... People want to convert their life into additional resources in other forms. So attacking them to reduce their use of those additional resources tends to be a pretty good idea, I would have guessed. Um, we also have here Timna, which is where I think really revolutionized combat in CDH or made people pay a lot closer attention to it. But it's, it's also... Um, Timna here is sort of like representative of a larger class of uh, 
effects and sort of like. But I mean, right? th- those classes of effects existed, or some of them existed. Sure, I mean, well, Timna. just in terms of like the yeah, actual, yeah. just the uses for combat, straight up. Yeah. Like it's like yeah. Timna isn't the only thing in this class. I I, I would say Timna is probably the best thing in this class by a country mile but because it, it, it's in the command. Well, zone, Timna but... isn't just the best thing in the class, but it, it also is the one that had the most impact and yeah, changed yeah, the yeah. way that people um consider. Like you know, people aren't talking about Edric blockers. You know, they're talking about Timna blockers. Because of just the the uh, ubiquitousness of uh, well the the asymmetry to decks, ease yeah. of like getting them in yeah um well I think also the 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 difference is that Timna is like it's much less of a build around than Edric like Edric is looking to just play evasive creatures right which then like yeah makes having blockers and and but, people are also like yeah, less think, likely I mean, to let an Edric sit and play than a Timna sit and play right. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. I guess trying to devote you you have to devote slots to to have Edric blockers or or whatever. But for something like Timna, I mean, the Timna decks are trying to get Timna attackers more or less incidentally, unless they're playing something like a Loyal Apprentice. But um, because they're trying to get these incidentally, often you know people are looking to defend against this also incidentally. Like, um, hey, this card is pretty good, but it's also a great Timna blocker. You know, like that's something to to consider. Um, just a bit easier to do and accomplish. Um, what other uses do we have for combat in CDH? No, well, that's one fantastic right? scenario that I uh. find myself in is in grindy games, combat suddenly becomes everyone's alternate win condition, and in that regard, it starts becoming political. So, especially if you have Kenrath in your command zone, or I mean, maybe to a lesser extent, Get Rock, but. Anything that just randomly has high power starts becoming your win condition. Uh, yeah, I'd say like even a more generalized version of that is like just like more like when people have run out of other things to do or have run out of other things that they're willing to do, then like combat sort of like the fallback, like everybody participates in this type of thing where it's it- like, okay, well, like. Nobody's willing to do anything, or nobody has anything to do, so what do we do now? Well, let's turn our creatures sideways at people to try to get them dead, or, like, at least, yeah, like, exactly. try to force them to do something, even. Um, it's, it's, you, it, you're at a disadvantage, it would be at a disadvantage to take any, like, proactive action, or, like, any very serious proactive action, um, like, going for a win attempt, or trying to develop something, like, you know, extremely potent. Say, because people, people have obvious interaction, or yeah, there's, yeah. like, there, you know there's, like, mass removal ready to go, and you can't really afford, like, the, the 1v1 analogy of this is, like, well, I, like, I can't commit any more creatures to this board, because I know that they have a Wrath of God, or they're very likely to have a Wrath of God, so, like, same sort of situation, just in more abstract, um, in CDH. Where it's like, well, I, I don't really want to take any more game actions that involve committing things to the board or, like, committing spells to the stack, so let's let's do this instead. <laughs> Which, and, yeah, you know, it's a very when... potent tool because, you know, it, there's there's kind of the old CDH adage, which isn't, isn't like, completely true, but it has, you know, definitely some some truth and kind of useful lessons out of it, which is that the first player to combo loses, which is, you know, obviously not universally true. But um, forcing someone to combo when they're not ready and have the adequate resources to defend their win um, and to kind of, like, bait interaction out from everyone else is extremely uh, beneficial. So if you're, if you're able to kind of just incidentally pressure um, someone else to go for it, um, 
you know, then potentially draining interaction from the pod and then setting yourself setting yourself up to go for a win. Um, that's like huge. And, uh, you know, in, in our meta, certainly we see this quite a bit because we have uh, an Urza player and turns out constructs are uh, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 I think one of the things with the constructs, too, is like they're they're very terrifying because Urza is also like a good blocker against like chip damage. So like you can you can yeah, basically just, the fact feel that, completely the fact confident a, turning sideways without your life total being pressured. The fact that he's a one four and comes with an XX is just like it's oh, super, it's so super disgusting. Good. But like this 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 sort of stuff as well. Like I, I don't want to stick on this for too much because we still have other uses for combat that we need to get through here um, a bit. But um, this was as an example like this kind of stuff that we're talking about right now was actually like a huge huge thing during the Flash meta specifically. Um, and I mean, it's it's sort of less of a thing now, but it's still certainly um, relevant. Where um, as soon as people like no longer want to like play out their combos um, because they think they can find a better time for it, or especially if people at the table happen to have like instant speed options to do stuff, um, there a lot of people will tend to just choose to not take those actions if they have other alternatives like activating Thrasios or whatever until they absolutely need to. So. Yeah, it's just, like combat is just a super great way, or like a, it becomes yeah, a very which, crucial way of interacting with them. Which we definitely saw with like, uh, particularly when, you know, right towards the end of Flash days when Kenrith came out, and it was like, oh, this is actually like, if if we get into like a sandbag off, like Kenrith was was absolutely the Flash Hulk mirror breaker. Yeah, because it's like, all right, well, we're all sitting here, flash in hand. You're, you you're generating cars for four mana. I'm generating beats for two mana. <laughs> yeah, like I'll just be hitting you with. I'll put a couple. You know, instead of activating a Thrasios, I'll activate Kenrith twice. He's now a seven-seven. You have three turns. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we also have here. You know, as we were saying, moving on. Uh, we've got some grindy politics which i guess kind of falls in with um pressure well yeah i I, I think that's sort of what matt was talking about earlier um if i'm not wrong yeah i think we've probably covered that well i i think there's also like um there's pressuring people into action but also sometimes there is just like killing people before they can actually win right like yeah. particularly with slower decks with a lot of value if you can actually like particularly with a couple people working in concert just put a bunch of damage on them um and then you know they they get they develop their like you know to to take everyone's favorite example thrasio seedborn muse engine and then like they're dead they don't have time to take advantage of it um you know, that can, like, be a really powerful tool to modify. Essentially, you look at which decks are advantaged in, you know, a later game, in, you know, when you think the game is heading in that direction, and then go, okay, well, let's... Given that they have an advantage if the game goes in this direction, let's try and give them a disadvantage to, to you know, balance that out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and this... Yeah, put, I, put, them, put them within a, a just a safe distance of, like, I could kill them in a couple turns. Yeah, I was about to say, like, it, it doesn't, even, it doesn't game. even have to be killing them. It's just getting them to a point where you can, like, comfortably 
just snuff out the flame on command, basically. Just be like, I mean, yeah, you want you want to keep the control player in for their their counterspell, <laughs> their interaction stuff, until yeah. they're no longer useful to you, and then you kill them. Yeah, <laughs> your services are no longer required. You know what, um, Lyndon? I'm glad you said it as the Baral player. We didn't have to, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Baral Baral is the one too. You're like, oh, you know, this is a decent blocker until like. Morgan pulls out Calamax. <laughs> or Yorian, or Urza, yeah. or... Oh, I can't... He's, he's so tiny. He's a, he's a tiny man. Um, but yeah, uh, we also have... Um, under uses for combat that we didn't list here, is just actually winning the game. Yeah. Um, there, there is some decks in CDH whose primary game plan is to use... Uh, combat steps to close out the game and this isn't just um, you know I mean there's obviously some combat based combos there's Najila there's um, Kiki combos Godo etc but um, some decks are playing things I guess I mean uh, not, there's one deck that's playing like you know Kamal and that's like Timna Kamal well that, that their, I mean there's their also game, like... their win con list right they don't yeah. have a dedicated combo their win is is going to be beating you to death after the game has been staxed out using Kamal. And there's other, there's, you know, commanders that can do that, like Winota, um, who are trying to beat you to death uh, with stacks. Um, but then there's also decks that are just incidentally running cards that can um, achieve this, uh, like Tendershoot Dryad, and um, I guess Elish Norn to some extent is is like doubling as a stacks effect and then also kind of a oh yeah i mean to push for game i mean there's a reason why elish norn has just been like omnipresent in cdh for so long like i I don't think like it's rare that the best deck in the format plays elish norn i'm actually not sure the best deck in the format ever played elish norn maybe cats at some point but um like there's a reason why cats never really yeah there's 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 a reason why elish norn has continued to just like persist in a lot of decks right and it's just because the effect is so powerful at both giving you a very, very real clock. I mean, double anthem is super real, but also like stacking a lot of combos out of the game because if your combo requires like having an X2 in play, then like it's just completely shut off. And also just like clearing blockers super easily and making the, the leftover blockers super small just like makes you win combat so hard. Too bad it wasn't minus three minus three because you can guild a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you actually imagine if Elshorn was minus three minus three? Just like not ever being. <laughs> I able feel to like it drink wouldn't it. make that insane. much of a difference. It definitely would. It definitely would. Self self protecting against guild the drake is huge. If it were minus three minus three. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Like I. Apart from in specifically CDH where guild a drake is a problem. Oh like, sure, yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> Like, I don't really think that that effect in, like, casual commander... I don't think that that number particularly matters once it's past two. Yeah, it's just... well, Like, the the jump from one yeah. to two is big, but I don't think the jump from two to three is particularly big. Well, who's, than, what's the Elish Norn on... That does minus one, the white one? Uh, Corvax? Uh, no, no. Corvax? Corvax. Is Corvax from... Factorio. The, it definitely is, right? No, 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 no. It's the black. There's, there's, there's a black one, and then there's a, a white one. Yeah, and they're yeah, both yeah. the it's same. Crobax. Uh, it's. I believe the black one is called Ascendant Evancar, and then Crobax Ascendant Hero is the white one. Mm. Yeah, not too yeah. many people playing playing yep. that, which yes. is a good. Uh, good Non-white. Creatures. I mean, they're also they're they're color coded, which does make them substantially yeah. worse. That is true. 
Like, as opposed um, to just being symmetrical. Non-green creatures get minus one, minus one. <laughs> God, so toxic. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that, that covers kind of the, most of the generic uses for combat in CDH. Um, but if you want to kind of get into the nitty-gritty in terms of, like, how to assess uh, where to point your damage, um, and we can even discuss a bit... Um, factoring combat damage in like before the game uh you know looking at cards in your deck and kind of just thinking about your overall strategy and plan for combat damage ahead of time so um where do you point your damage in the game how do you assess that that's a great question um i think i think we actually probably have a couple of heuristics to go by here um i know i think this is morgan's first or is this matt's first it's not mine. I'm so. assuming it's Morgan's. Wait, that's Morgan's. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. When in um, doubt, attack the Adnaz player. Okay, next. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so in in the short term, definitely you want to be um, you want to be hitting people who's who are going to make like immediate and large use of their life total. So this is like obviously Adnaz is the poster child for this. Um, I think Dedicated possibly even decks. more. Yeah, possibly even more extreme is like specifically Xur with with like their primary yeah. plan just being Tutor Necropotence. Oscar um, is probably doing the similar thing now as well with Necro. Yeah, yeah. I any any Crick decks in the pod? Yep. yep. Yeah, Crick. Um, there's also uh, hitting hitting the Goto player down to exactly thirty eight. Uh, I yeah or thirty nine. It depends. It depends well. on how much. Sure, but like, it, the, the amount changes depending the, on the idea. Is, the mana they the have, idea is yeah. you're hitting breakpoints on trees and ogre specifically. Exactly. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, just so they can't, you know, they need thirty three one life. extra mana yeah, after to, their the trees and ogre to randomly dead you. Um, yeah, and just and things things like this um, is like that should be sort of the first thing you look at, um, and then you know as the game sort of progresses you probably want to start, like, shifting your focus uh, to, like, you know, as we were saying earlier, like, uh, valuing putting pressure and uh, valuing, you know, the people who are favored in the long game getting damage on them uh, as opposed to sort of the short, immediate, like, uh, like avert the crisis of getting nods. It, it, might, even, it uh, might not even be forcing them to, like, try to commit to a win con, but just... Forcing people to commit to courses of action based on the fact that you're putting damage on them is very powerful in a lot of these types of games. So, like, it it's not even like like you're attacking somebody, they have a win in hand, but they don't really want to go for it. Um, but, like, maybe they have to tutor for a removal spell, or they need to, like, take a turn off to just, like, put a blocker in play to stop you attacking them. Um, just, like, using combat as sort of a way to mess with tempo and sort of to extract resources from your opponents that don't, don't even have to be, like, forcing them to attempt to win. Absolutely. Um, so and what then, are... Well, sorry, I, I think Morgan has the, sure. the last it. stage. Right? I mean, sure, I I just sort of put these down. They're not, like, they're not necessarily oh, sure. you know, things yeah, that yeah. I have, like, very specific ideas for. But, yeah, in, in the long game, you know, that's when you should probably start looking to be, you know, killing people based on sort of how they're... 
you know, their role in the game interacts with your game plan. So, you know, oftentimes that will mean, you know, killing, you want to kill the person who can outgrind you. Um, and if you're not in a position to win, you want to kill uh, the people who are going to be, uh, like, the people who might be able to win. If you are in a position to win, then you probably want to focus on the people who can stop you. Yeah. Or, in, or in every pod, say if you're in a position to win, but you don't have like backup, maybe you want to attack the like the other fast deck at the table to try to force them into a win to draw out the interaction so that you can win. Um, or like on the reverse, if you're a control player, you might attack them with the intent of killing them rather than making them try to attempt to win so that you don't have to expend the cards in your hand to interact with their win con. You can sort of like interact with them preemptively by getting them off of their win by just killing them and then still have resources to interact with the rest of the table. Yeah. So, but sorry, Lyndon, go for it. I was going to say in, in every pod, you know, the decks have a kind of window that they're trying to win or that they're best positioned to win. Um, and obviously this kind of can change based on seating turn order, uh, what cards people have drawn. Um, but, and, you know, and all that, but like generally the, uh, the decks are like, okay, well, I'm a late game control deck that's, you know, I, I'm trying to win. Uh, like, the longer the game goes, the odds of me winning increases. And, and there's some decks that are just the turbo. Um, you know, my if I don't win within the first kind of like four turns, then my window is closed. Some decks trying to find that middle ground. And really trying to kind of identify uh, where you are in that kind of pecking order and... Um, you know what, what, what your where your opponents are really in, uh, impacts how you select your uh, attack targets and who to, who to focus on. Um, like it's really like we, the, CDH the control player of who's the beatdown, right? Except yeah, like with the CDH rolls interspersed instead of like aggro versus control. And it's one thing too with combat is people are are very, um, or at least I find people are very uh, nearsighted. Where they're like, okay, I'm going to be attacking the player who's the most threatening now. When often people should be looking um, to the long game. Because, I mean, you, you do need to be able to assess whether or not, like, sometimes, you know, you, people, you'll attack the, the player who's the immediate threat. Because that's like, that's, you're, you're, you're like, well, I hope we could beat him to death. <laughs> yeah, time, I, I don't have know? interaction. Do you have interaction? <laughs> Guess not. Let's attack him. <laughs> yeah. Like, sometimes there's that level of, like, desperation. But um, if, if you have some interaction and you think, like, eh, we can probably keep this person in check, um, you know, maybe you want to start trying to take him out. But if, if you're coming towards the end of their window um, and, like, every turn after their odds of winning just get uh, lower and lower, you you want to start putting in damage on the person who has uh the late game advantage um you know like there's lots of decks like Yorian, Azami, Orvar Yeah, I was actually um, about to say like I I think we have a pretty good demonstration of this in the, in some of the games in our meta specifically where yeah. um we'll see a lot of the time that uh so typically we'll almost always have like an Urza in the pod from Keegan. Keegan almost exclusively plays Urza. Um, so typically there's like some large construct in play and when I play Yorian a lot of the time even when I start getting the game locked down um, I have to be very aware of the damage coming in from that construct because Keegan recognizes that Urza is a good tends to be a good late game deck in like comparison to the rest of the CH format 
but Yorian goes a bit over the top of Urza even, so his bit, option, dude. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very far over the top of Urza, sure. But the strongest, the, <laughs> probably the strongest uh, engine when fully humming in CDH. But you know, so so the idea from uh, Keegan's side there is okay. Yorian is obviously a threat to me in the long game once it gets rolling. Once I'm at a point where I'm no longer at a threat of dying to the combo players, and I have like a relative, like relatively good footing in the game, I need to start pressuring this other deck at the table because its engine is going to outpace me in the long run. Run. yeah um and and often by the time you know if you start putting on damage after the window of everyone else is closed it's too late like you just won't be able to close uh to, to kill the uh yorian or whatever long game control value player in time before they just you know yeah that that is absolutely take over that that, that is sort of it's, it's a complication that um just having 40 life in the format really introduces which is that um, it's it's really hard to burst people down without like dedicated like big dude plus teamer battle rage or like big commander plus teamer battle rage or like my commander. I'm putting TBR in real man. It's like I'm thing, I'm yeah. I'm gonna try to kill you from twenty one with my commander. A lot of the time that's not how like combat kills work. Um, so the forty life is actually makes it relatively complicated because if you need to have somebody dead, like I I, I need to have somebody like. I'm going to get outpaced by this person like five turns in the future or not even, I know that this person is going to outpace me, but this person ended up outpacing me five turns in the future. You needed to usually like make that decision like five turns before they did that so that you could get them dead before they started outpacing you. So like it, yeah. it actually, it's gets relatively complex to decide your targets um, when you need somebody dead at the table by a certain point, because you need to make decisions very early on in the game. A lot of the time of, okay, do I, am I splitting damage and I'm burning it on somebody else? Or do I have to focus this person down before they outpace me? You know, it's, you can even look at the, the pod composition and be like, I'm not even going to attack the Nas player. Right. Like, cause there's, there's, I mean, our, our meta has evolved very like uh, away from Nas a lot. Um, and I, I just think Nas is very poorly positioned in our meta in particular. Um, so, like, I, I wouldn't even, like, you know, if you just have chip damage and everyone else has, like, good blockers or something, you just chip, you send it at the Nas player. Easy. But, you know, it, it, I think it's not even unreasonable in our meta to be like, well, right from turn one, I'm sending damage at Yorian. You know? Like, that's, that's, we know the game is going to go long. I need to, I need to get started now. Like, well, I don't think the, so everyone's playing blue and there's like, I don't think the Nas player stands a chance in this spot. I'm going to start, you know, getting in my damage. It's actually interesting because I think there's even another layer to that, which is that, um, potentially depending on your role at, tab at the table, you actually might even want to avoid hitting the Nas player to encourage them to try to cast an ad nauseum. Um, because yeah. if potentially say you're like a Gitrog, uh, player at a table, um, potentially you want to actually start pressuring like maybe a control player instead so like just say like for example maybe the pod is like turbo control control get rug um potentially the idea is that you actually want to start pressuring a control player so that if the nas player goes for it and they're encouraged to go for it because you're not chipping their damage away so like they're gonna have a better nas you might want to encourage them to run into the wall of interaction before you so that maybe you can like pick off the second control player and then go 1v1 with the existing one who's already burned some interaction yeah. on the last person, right? No, it's it's really complex to kind of work out these these combat strategies and and how to uh proceed optimally. It's 
it's it changes completely depending on the context. Not you can't just look at pod composition. You have to look at you know turn to turn kind of uh, what people have in hand, everything you've seen. Like it's 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 it's, also, it's almost an turn, art to do turn order correctly. is is a big factor in a lot of these situations. Oh yeah, like yeah, like uh, it can often be very awkward to like put some you know like you generally don't want to put someone in range or often there are times where you don't want to put one opponent in range of another opponent like if you put yeah. the control player in range of of like the the turbo player who you're worried about comboing and then you know they go cool untap kill the control player combo like you know that's uh which That's there's actually you... there's actually a microcosm microcosm of that with uh planeswalkers as well <laughs> which is sort of interesting uh which is like if there's like a narset in play and you can't kill it on your turn um like you want it dead but you can't kill it on your turn yeah like yeah, you might not even yeah. want to swing at it because potentially if you swing at it the next person in turn order can can kill it and then you do you want to be the first person yours. Yeah, yeah. It's it's with all stacks you want to be the first person in uh to take advantage of it not being in play yeah. And that and that's that can sometimes be hard to kind of orchestrate. Um, so under this paradigm, we could just think of players as planeswalkers with forty loyalty, right? <laughs> <laughs> they just happen to have static abilities of whatever stacks they have in play. <laughs> so what if I want to start attacking someone, um, but you know, I'm worried about getting hit from someone else. That's that that how how do you how do you navigate that kind of situation? <laughs> I, this. <laughs> so oh our play God. group our play group has a special <laughs> word so much as a special word to shortcut an entire conversation that so i think this was coined by keegan uh because keegan would basically say the same line every time which is uh i think yeah i think he'd say to morgan a lot. was it was it you guys was it morgan yeah, that yeah. You so, started? so so the line would go something like person i have this large urza construct and I'd like to hit, you know, your opponent. But if I do that, you can attack me. So if you agree not to attack me until my next turn, I can, like, you know, whatever. I can attack that person. I forget the exact wording. And but is, is the wording after... also that you have to attack them? Or no, that no it's just you have to attack not attack. Okay. You just have to... Yeah. It's basically saying, like, I'm not going to have a blocker for you, so you have to agree not to attack me. Um, yeah. And after, like the thousandth time of hearing this whole spiel, I was like, okay, we need just, like, a word that means this because I don't want to listen to this speech every time we make this deal. That, there, there's something that, uh, like, uh, just a random word to kind of substitute in for kind of this, uh, a speech over and over again. I think it was something, like, in, in Hollywood when, or, like, SNL or something, they were talking about a, uh, a writer who is like really, really talented and like a titan of industry, and they have to say all of this this massive spiel before they would say any kind of like criticism. And so they just came up with a word, just like they pulled it out of their asses to just say, so they didn't have to go through this entire spiel. It's a really useful concept. Um, but yeah, so in in our group, we just say banana bread, you know, because I believe when I finally spiel. snapped, Keegan was eating banana bread or. <laughs> Banana yeah. bread had come up in conversation that day, and so that's just the shortcut for, yeah. hey, if you agree not to hit me, I'm gonna hit one of your opponents. Dude, eating banana bread and holding cards is kind of cringy. Yeah, it's lie. super like oily. Yeah. Yeah. What you the know, hell is wrong yeah. with your banana bread? <laughs> it's the store bought banana bread, I think. 
No, I mean, uh, whatever. I mean, homemade banana <laughs> bread is not that greasy. It's undeniably a bad idea. It's like, like it's moist, I guess. Where... I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, it's gonna get some kind of like banana, banana natural oils and shit on your cards and grease them up. I could definitely um, think of much worse snacks. No, certainly, certainly. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely suggest uh, uh, any of our listeners try implementing this kind of just phrase into their uh, <laughs> into the into North says try no, banana. I, you know bread. what? It's it's better if you don't need it. <laughs> what? No, 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 no. It's better if you need it because it means that you guys are actually maximally using the combat step. Right? Talk to your doctor to see you're... if banana bread is right for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, one thing we didn't cover under uh, so two things I want to bring up. One is uh, how to know if you're uh, if you're combat uh, if you're attacking the right person, which is you'll hear um, there's like a, a telltale noise that you'll hear, and it goes a little something like this. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Especially if it's a control player. If you're if you're attacking the control player and they're like whining a lot about it, you're you're probably making the right call there. I honestly. feel like that's that's sure. not known. <laughs> no, it's not true. You, but it, you it, could it, definitely <laughs> be making just wrong attacks there and still be getting complaints. Yeah. <laughs> no, but on but I guess maybe maybe the the real advice is it you need to learn to be able to tune out the whining. Um, because yeah, it's it's really good more control about players. Being... Good control players should be whiners. You you should be whining. You should be trying to uh, direct other people's attacks and stuff elsewhere. It's it's part of the game of control. Of uh, you are going to try and take over the long game. You need to make sure that you're able to get there and that people aren't beating you to death. So yeah. whether that means setting up you know good blockers or um, leveraging threats, being like if you attack me with this, I'm going to remove it. Um, you know that. The banana bread of like, oh, let's agree that we both want to attack this player, and so like I'm not going to get attacked. Um, that's one way to to do it. The other way is to be like, uh, yeah, you're not attacking me, or otherwise that thing is uh, is getting removed. And that's that's that can often be a good enough uh, threat if you know. It's also a good way to assess whether or not people uh, have interaction to kind of back up their thing or how desperately they need you dead or something like that. But yeah. Um, yeah, TLDR, there's a fine line between crying and politics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes they overlap. You've got to walk it. <laughs> you, you need to, uh, being a good control people, just go to your local uh, local theater and, uh, you know, tr- take some classes, learn how to fake every, cry. Here's, here's the hot take. Honestly, every yeah. every CDH player should take an improv class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the one other uh, thing that we didn't talk about under uses for combat is psychological damage. Um, I, I, uh, I just putting your opponents on tilt. I with this. Dude, putting your opponents on tilt. Dude, Keegan, Keegan has mastered this art of uh, making Morgan mauled. <laughs> it's only when he's uh, right. Attacking, <laughs> no, attacking him it, and him. Be, it, it, takes, it takes so long and so many bad attacks to get this conditioning done correctly that it, it's just such not a good idea. <laughs> no, no, it's not even, it's not, you don't even need a bunch of conditioning to like, no, just purely just making, if you make a, 
an attack that you know is just going to make someone real mad. No, but it's, put them on it's, tilt. It's the that's, repetition that's that it's the that repi- it's the repetition that gets to people, which means that you just like have to continuously be making, if not bad attacks, then just like suboptimal attacks against them. It's just like it's so much investment for a, not a reward that's worth it. <laughs> no, dude, the reward is, is absolutely worth it. You got you got you got to take all your edges. I, the thing is, is that depending on what that person like, like think about this. Think about this. You, you have don't a dork, necessarily right? want, and there's an obvious Nasdaq that's open in play and then you just attack a player who's who's you, you, like a control player or someone you just want to like you know put off balance and they're like why didn't you attack the Nas player why are you attacking me what are you doing dude that's that's you just is the one damage really going to matter that much it could but you know the the tilt factor is uh is also pretty good man um yeah those were the the two points i want to make yeah, there used to be a time when I could, like, listen to you guys when I play with you, but now it's just, <laughs> oh no. God, just drown it all out. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny, we were playing on, um, like, Nexus or something the other day, and, and people were like, man, you guys talk a lot. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, you guys don't? Like, you guys, let me stress this to all of our listeners. You should be talking and politicking in CDH. Just, if you're not, you're, the there's, <laughs> there's, there's percentage, there's win percentages that you're just leaving on the table. Uh, the ability to influence other people and kind of dictate the course of play. And honestly, you know, talk just good communication. Um, sometimes, you know, people who play a lot with like new play groups or newer players will get in the habit of just saying things or like saying their own threat assessment out loud or saying, Oh wow, this guy's scary. He's about to win using this exact method to kind of like clue in other people. So using those kinds of, uh, of tactics, just kind of being constantly vocal and, uh, you know, just making sure that everyone's on the same page can be really useful. Um, even outside of, uh, combat certainly. So, you know, use your, use your vocal cords, use your vocal muscles. Don't just be sitting there quietly. Um, anyway, getting back to combat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, no, that's relevant to combat. Okay. <laughs> Certainly relevant. Um, yeah, so actually, I did actually want to uh, talk about something that I think doesn't really get talked about a whole lot in terms of, I mean, I, I feel like combat just in general doesn't get talked about a whole lot in the context of CDH. Um, but there, there's sort of like a sub thing in here that uh, people... I feel like a lot of the time it's just not on a lot of people's radars because you sort of end up sticking with the heuristic uh, of like, oh, okay, I'm going to determine very early on in the game who I need to put damage on, and then I'm just going to continue putting damage on them. Where, like, I think that is correct in a lot of spots. Um, I mean, if you just, like, need to keep pressuring the Adnos player and eventually, like, the game gets to a point where you're going to want them dead anyway, like, yeah, you just, like, keep attacking them until they're dead. Cool. Um... But I think especially in decks with just, like, large bodies where the damage matters that you just, like, you know, like, there there are just, there are a lot of decks with just large-ish commanders that you're just going to want to get into the red zone with anyway. Um, a lot of the time, people don't really think that much about um, reconsidering their attack targets on every subsequent turn after they've made the initial decision. Um, it's honestly, it is, like, it's totally okay, and... and I would say it's actually optimal in a lot of situations to, um, like, you spend two turns attacking somebody, and then, you like, on that second turn afterward, you go, oh, I, there's, like, there's been new information, 
I need to reevaluate my threat assessment. Maybe the person that I've been attacking is actually lost position in the game. They like went for a win attempt and got stuffed, or even just like went for a value play and got stuffed, and they're sort of behind now, or they lost their mana to a board wipe, or there's a new in play now and they can't do much and they're gonna struggle. It's like it's it's very reasonable in a lot of those spots to then go, oh, okay, great, they're not a threat anymore. I'm going to switch my attacks. And it might feel like you're wasting damage because, like, oh, well, the, I mean, you just you put, like, 12 damage onto somebody that, you're like, you're not going to finish them off or, like, even get them low. Sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, you, like, a lot of the time... What do you mean? I've invested <laughs> so many turns already, <laughs> and it's going to pay off. A lot of the time, it it is, like, it is correct to just, um like, drop that attack target and get to work on the person that you actually are going to need dead in the, like, midterm. Um, because, like, again... This is what I, it connects to what I was saying earlier in the podcast where like it it's complex to like say like oh like this person it's going to take me 5 turns to kill this person so I need to decide now whether or not I need to do that um like it, if you miss that window because you were stuck attacking the other person who's no longer a threat for the last 2 turns uh after attacking them for 2 turns before that like you you've closed the window for yourself now like you're not going to be able to deal with the other person in time so it's I I think once I, it's, I would say it's definitely important, first of all, just to get your brain wrapped around the concept of just how to evaluate attacks and threats in CDH. But I think after you've got a solid footing there, it's, it's really productive to, in your games, just start thinking every turn about, am I still attacking the correct person? Am I still attacking the correct person? What in the game has changed that might make me reevaluate my attacks here? And just get in the habit, because there's actually a lot of percentage points to be gained there. Yeah, certainly. Um, so does anyone else have uh, points they'd like to make on kind of combat damage more generally? Um, otherwise, we can kind of start. We've got we've got a list of uh, oh yeah of kind of different <laughs> categories that you know it might be cool to go through. I, so I guess yeah. Uh, last call for points on yeah. This. I think one other important thing to think about when you're evaluating uh, combat damage is everyone else's combat damage, both in how that can be a threat to you, um, but also particularly um, in how they, uh, like, in how they're generating advantage. Um, one of the things I I've seen, like, just too many times is someone who, like, you know, I, I feel like, for whatever reason, the stereotype of this was whenever I played with, with Kess players, where, like, they'd land their Kess, they'd have this 3-4 flyer be like, cool, I can attack whoever I want, and then they'd get excited, they'd hit someone, and then they'd let, like, two Timna players connect on them and draw a card, and it was like, okay, that, you know, yes, I get that, you know, you, like, figuring out where to put the damage is good, but also figuring out what other people can do in combat, you know, are they gonna be hitting you, is it worth it to be trading damage? You know, all of these are things that, um, like, it's important not to let them get sort of lost in the shuffle of, of oh, I can do, you know, I want to be as efficient as possible with my damage, um, but there's the other side of the coin of, also, I, you know, don't want to let my opponents get free efficiency, or however, you know, that's not maybe the best way of phrasing it, but. Um, actually, I did want to say also one thing um, on read with, with switching targets is that, you know, the, you've made the point about a Narset, right? And not 
you you want to be the 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 first person to take advantage of the stacks piece being gone. Yep. The same can be viewed as with like a player. Yeah, hundred percent. Where they've got like interaction in hand. You want to be the first person. Uh, you want to be the person who kills them because then you get to take advantage of of their hand being gone. So definitely like getting someone within like a reasonable range where um they can't be one shot by like other players in the pod is something to consider as well. Um, and then just switching off and then trying to kind of like build up to killing them. Um, yeah, so that's it for kind of like the, um, kind of more general discussion about combat. Let's talk about specific cards, uh, that do combat things in CDH. Um, so we've got a couple categories here. We've got, uh, combat based win cons. So this is not like we're excluding, um, infinite combos here. So yeah, no Goto, no Kikijiki, no dual caster. Like stuff that you would just yeah. play for other reasons as well. Yeah, these are these are cards that are trying to non-infinitely uh, take your opponents to zero. We have combat because of other things. So cards that aren't necessarily trying to like close the game purely with combat, but are tr- are you know big tools that you know either you're putting in your deck intentionally or incidentally have um high value as an attacker uh and then we also have advantage through combat and finally we have some hot picks that <laughs> which is just <laughs> a couple of cards that i want to discuss so let's let's start with combat based win cons well what, what do we what's really in the format that's uh combat based win con well, far and away, the one card I think, or the one deck that everyone thinks about is Winota. Yeah. As far as combat based win cons. I mean, you just, yeah, you I, just put I think, so much power in play. <laughs> I think there's one thing to know about combat win cons that didn't, didn't quite make it in when you described it, which is like win cons where you need to connect to win, but can be infinite. So, an example of that is like Najila. You actually have to be connecting. Mm, that's true. But it isn't just straight up infinite, like Kiki, for example. Yeah. Um. I mean, Najila also used to be kind of the queen of combat before um Winota. I mean, arguably even still, like, people. I think Winota's taken a lot of the the spotlight, but Najila, you know, one well, card that just basically can assemble an army to kill you, um, if you don't do anything without having to cast yeah, any spells I, I, is. So I think I think Najila goes Very from relevant. being cast to killing the table faster than Winota does, probably on average, in terms yeah, of like definitely. just uh, just not like just uh, like just assuming like no additional cards being cast from hand. Well, Obviously, like it, in Winota, if you're like if you're drawing if you're drawing additional to. Winota attackers, then you're hitting stuff that produces tokens to make more uh, Winota attackers. I think it probably outclocks Najila, but just like Najila on her own outclocks like Winota plus like two producers, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah. Najila, um, though, kind of functionally has to get in before the orc is yeah. up, right? Because it is, cause it is just so, so that, weak to like incidental that's, toughness creatures. That's, that's, the, that's the other thing that I was actually going to get at, which is that yeah. I think the reason why we've seen Winota sort of take the crown of like the deck that kills people in combat the most recently is mostly just because like. Winota is not an easy deck to stop combat versus with just, like, incidental play patterns, like, holding up, like, random 2x blockers or, like, 1x blockers even a lot of the time. 
Uh, whereas, like, Najila gets really hurt by just a table that's aware of what Najila does. It could just, like, put a blocker into play on turn two a lot yeah. of the time. Well, it's also, like... Najila, Najila, a lot of the time, is winning through combo of some kind, right? Well, Whether yeah, but, it's a Najila combo I'm... or consult or something. Whereas Winota is, like, I mean, it does have combos, but most of the time that I've seen Winota win, it's with just beating people to death. And I think that kind of affects people's perception of the two. Yeah, uh, certainly that is, there's some yep. truth to that, but also just not getting stonewalled by everyone having a 1-2 on time is, is like, because yeah, yeah. literally that's, if, Inspector, if everyone has a 1-2 before <laughs> Najila can swing, then she doesn't get to grow. Like, that's all you need. Yeah. Um... So those are, I guess, I guess, so we we have um, one other commander under this category. Yeah. Well, uh, there should probably be, Ishai. like, two other this, under this commander, or this category, but yeah. It's like Ishai and uh, Kamal, right? Uh, Kamal, yeah. um, honestly, Rafine could be under this, this category. Uh, of, yeah, of... I, I think Rafine's in probably two categories here. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, which is which is one of the things that um, when I first saw Rafine, I wasn't like particularly excited, um, but really after after playing a game um, against Morgan's Rafine list, which honestly, I mean, even I'm sure Morgan will. Uh, it was his like first kind of idea, and he was cramming a bunch of ideas and cute cards to test in there, and like you know, it wasn't a kind of streamlined, optimized list yet, um, but even still, it was kind of terrifying seeing just the strength of of the connive for uh, in terms of beating people to death just, yeah yeah i definitely like did not appreciate how quickly it could clock people without like playing a lot of dedicated damage dealers yeah especially because your just... commander like sort of protects itself plus is evasive just as a base so like even if you have nothing else to stack stuff on profitably because like people have chump blockers or whatever like rafine just clocks people super fast on her own as long as you have like some yeah counter producers yeah and and also like because you because you get to like choose where the counters go you can often sort of go like okay we'll put the first one you know we'll put like the first few on rafine she'll be like you know we'll get her to like five power and we'll keep sending her at one person and then you know like just kill them with commander damage and then try and beat down other people with with something you know by by like growing the rest of my board state and sort of kill one person with commander damage while you kill another person with with uh uh regular uh damage and then you know the last person you can sort of decide yeah um and then, yeah, just, I mean, just to clean up, uh, yeah, Ishai and Kamal here, definitely. Um, I think I think Ishai has actually sort of become the favorite, I would say, of people playing combat stacks in partners, which it's, it's, such, it was it's, such, a, it's such a combination of things to say that isn't just like the most narrow <laughs> category ever somehow. But um, see, yeah, it's the like... thing is, is that I, I disagree, because if you look at like anyone's Ishai list, it's not stacks. Uh, I, I was more talking about uh, Bant stacks has been more popular recently with the uh, uh -oh. Ishai. But sure, yeah, certainly, I think like, the vast yeah, majority Ishai of Jessica people are is Jessica. definitely not stacks. <laughs> like decidedly not stacks yeah. for the most part. 
There's something about being in the three-hit club. There's something even better about being in the two-hit club. Yeah. Imagine the one-hit yeah. club. <laughs> That's kind of the Ishai proposition. Yeah. Um, so under Combat WinCon, we also have some cards outside of the Command Zone that people are putting in the 99 um, to kind of kill people through combat. So we have... Um, uh, the one I want to touch on uh, first is Crater Hoof Behemoth. Which is basically only run in Yisan, as far as I can think. Uh, um, I think they also play it in... I think they play it in Yeva. I think when people play Ashaya, they play it. Model Green. We'll just say Model Green. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, 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 so in Yisan, it, it's at least functioning as a way... Um, it's a one-card you know, combo... Uh, where if, if your main kind of combo lines go awry, uh, you have something at kind of the end of the line verse-wise that you can go to and uh, uh, kill people. I actually, um, not... <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the visual metaphor in my head, but I'm, this, I love something about the idea of Yisan being something close to a train or like a mechanic on a train or something. <laughs> and then there's just like the blockade at the end of the line, which is Crater Hope Behemoth. The game just ends yeah. as soon as it gets there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so outside of, of uh, Yisan, um, I think a lot of the dedicated combat win based cards are found in stacks decks. Uh, and typically, like, you know. Abzan, yeah. at, at least Abzan, um, creature-based stacks sort of well, stuff. So, I, so I, mean, I, th I think Kamal, like I think in in non-Kamal decks, uh, like I, I remember putting in uh, Tender Shoot Dryad and Elishnorn in I, my uh, Anafenza Raspberries deck. Yeah, uh, ages ago. I I think it, I don't actually think it's like exclusive to stacks, but I think currently there aren't many decks aside from stacks that currently have like the. Uh, the combination of attributes that are required to like produce a deck that wants to play combat centric win cons, which is that like the, actually one that I that I'm doing. So I have have like a, a Kinnon list I've been kind of working on in the background. Yeah. Uh, Kinnon, I actually in my Kinnon list I like uh, Tender Shoot uh, quite a bit. Yeah, so it's I I I find that the decks that want to dedicate slots to combat based win cons are typically are typically decks that tend to have a lot of power in play anyway, or have a reasonable amount of power in play anyway, and want the game to go long. Which sounds like stacks decks, because that is a lot of stacks decks, but there are also, like, there are other decks that fit those criteria that aren't stacks, um, that just, like, happen to be there as well, for stuff that, like, might want to play um, combat-centric win cons. Okay, so, um, that covers combat as a win condition, um, and Next up, we've got uh, combat because of other things. <laughs> yeah, uh, so this is kind of the things where like combat can be relevant incidentally. Um, I mean, I guess Sarah's, we have Sarah's Ascendant under this category, but often people put it in their deck like very intentionally. Um, I, yeah, I I feel like for people, combat reasons. I feel like people people probably put Sarah Ascendant in their deck with dreams of killing people with it, and then just, like, realize that either like, it doesn't kill people and they don't have another use for it, or it doesn't kill people, but they still get a ton of life out of it, which is still useful for some decks. Yeah, I think it was in this category specifically for Ad Nauseam. Yeah. Like, it just is a juicer. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, the, the life, the life link can certainly, um, in a deck that's worried about uh, getting beat to death and pressured off of an Adnaz, um, an early Sarah's Ascendant can basically uh, protect you from that while also, um, you know, taking other people off of Nas. Uh, so that's something, although you're obviously putting in a card that, uh, you know, if you're an Adnaz deck and you're getting pressured in the early game, uh, taking you off your life total, people can, uh, or Sarah's Ascendant can uh, stop working. Um, and then it can just be a dead draw in the later game. That's definitely uh, something to consider with that. But um, most of the other cards we have in this category are kind of like incidentally very relevant for combat. Um, Gilda Drake is a big one. Um, the amount of times you, you like, you know, I, I, I've been playing like Brawl and I've got a Gilda Drake and I'm like, oh man. I don't want to cast yeah, this. I could, <laughs> I could take something, but like <laughs> I am going to be getting clocked with this 3 3 flyer. And that, yeah, especially that adds up. Game. Yeah. Uh, give the Bruce player a Gilda Drake. They'll smile. Oh, God. <laughs> um, we've got uh, Krom uh, from the Command Zone. 4-4 uh, four, four Flyer is huge. Uh, haste, huge. Like, it can, well, it can pressure people. damage, huge. <laughs> yeah. The fact, that, the fact that you only need to deal 20 is... Uh, or 21, sorry, is uh, quite relevant. I was, I was going to say, you know, 20 is kind of a shorthand, but, you know, Krom deals 20 before it deals 21. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we've got uh, Karnstrux. And you'll often see this from Urza. Um, but now with Urza Saga in the format, you know, people are able to uh, leverage that to make uh, giant constructs. Uh, this is something that you can do in uh, Gitrog. Gitrog weirdly has quite a few cards that instantly do combat quite well. Uh, Gitrog obviously being a 6-6, six, six, <laughs> yeah, although it's a 6 that you barely with ever turn touch. sideways. <laughs> Sorry? With death touch. 6-6 six, 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 with death touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. For some never, figuring. never, never <laughs> um, forgetting the death touch. Hey, they, yeah, they can't block the, uh, the shy. That's a bajillion, bajillion. No, that's that's true. Um, I, I wish I had reached though, like some of the other frogs. <laughs> Just block the shy It's already got death touch, man. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, okay, this okay, is okay. the get right yeah, fantasy uh, episode. Urza Saga, the ability to uh, recur um, Urza Saga, just make a ton of tokens. Um, is really sweet. And another card we have under this is uh, Alasaur Shepherd, um, which you know I'm I'm I, when we first talked about it, you know I think I'd mentioned that I'm happy with Alasaur Shepherd because it's you know seeing play and helping a bunch of like lower color niche decks. And I'm glad to see that 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 trend definitely um, held true. Uh, gets run, you know. There's lots of decks that don't run. In fact, I think Destiny Spinner has to be run more than it, right? Um. Probably. Probably. I don't know. But also, no. I think there yeah, are I mean, very few Shepherd decks that want a Shepherd but not a Spinner. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, there's lots of decks that want that would, that would want the the Shepherd, but like it, it it depends on if you uh the the Spinner is for you know if you're casting stuff that you need to protect stuff that isn't uh only green. no, but I'm saying like I'm saying a um, lot of even mono green creature combo based decks probably just play the spinner anyways but you just play both you like you play both yeah eh. whereas like, i think that there are lots of shepherd you're probably already on the spinner 
I I don't I don't know. I I I I think you know it's like the the first copy of the um of that effect on a creature adds a ton of copies to the deck, and the second copy can kind of be unnecessary. Anyway, this is getting off topic. Yeah, if um, you're on red, you're probably not playing Shepherd. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, constructs. Alasaur Shepherd. Another way to uh to pressure people's life total incidentally. Um. We we have uh undus a couple commanders as well. Um, Godo. Uh, Godo is a kind of a weird one because you're really only ever casting it for um to try and win. However, there are times when uh you go for that and they can you know disrupt you. Like you get uh as part of your combo you get um uh hammer of Nizan, and then you try and like you know get your copy of Godo comes in. You you get your Helm, and then let's say they remove Helm with like a Baseju or some kind of removal spell. Well, turns out Goto equipped with a Hammer of Nizan, a 5-3 indestructible that can attack twice per turn and, you know, counts towards commander damage, is quite threatening combat-wise. Um, we also have Ikra, and, uh, which basically <laughs> exists only for combat and gaining you life, which is... Uh, kind of unique in in cdh um yeah quite a few things quite a few decks run um these these incidental combat cards um and then our next I mean, category you could also is put advantage you could also put kenrith in that category um where like oh that that that's true that's very true it's generally not like a dedicated part of the plan that it's beating you to death but it certainly can flex into doing that if it needs to mm-hmm. absolutely um yeah, and our uh, I guess our last category is actually going to be the hot picks. But uh, before that, it's our uh, advantage uh, through combat. Um, when do you guys want to talk about this? Yeah, I mean it's it's relatively self-explanatory, but there's there's some interesting ones here. Um, obviously, we've already talked about stuff like Minota, Timna, Edric. Um, another one in that category is Yuriko. Uh, also, Rafine in this category, same type of thing. But th- there's there's some other interesting stuff here. Um, well, so well, there's a couple of like there's there's ones that are giving you um, cards, which card is, based, yeah, right? Sort of like, what we Timna Timna just and went through. Yuriko Yuriko is like weirdly cards doing and cards and damage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Winota is putting cardboard into play, uh, kind of giving you both a mana and kind of card advantage simultaneously. Um, and then, you know, Malcolm is one that, you know, is certainly generating advantage through combat, but it's generating mana advantage. Same thing um, with Grim Hireling, although Grim Hireling is not just mana, it's also, like, producing removal through combat, which is yeah. sort of nuts. Uh, Derevi would be another one, uh, in the same mm. category as, like, Malcolm. Duretti? Uh, <laughs> or Derevi, sorry. Yeah. Yes, not Duretti. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good catch. Yeah. Um... We've mentioned Rafine. Um, Rafine is kind of again blurring the lines where it's it's putting in it's doing the same you'll, thing as you'll like notice, Yoriko. You'll notice that a lot of the good cards that go into combat in CDH that do do a lot of things, <laughs> or at least yeah, multiple yeah. things. Um, so I think with um, the professional facebreaker produces cards and mana, pretty hot. Yep. Uh, Paco produces advantage by attacking, but also <laughs> by just murdering kills you. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it's honestly honestly just Paco not even getting the cards is is terrifying on its own uh in certain uh pods 
Uh, Corvold can also get ginormous. Uh, there's there's a couple things that like there's a couple it really some commanders. Uh, you know, I play a lot of Riel. Riel has probably the highest power. I think it probably gets higher. It's on average it's going to get higher than Ishai, honestly. I, 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 guess. I, mean, I, I would say, but, I would say on average it has the highest power on a given board in like a lot of the games. I feel like it. In. But you just don't often turn it sideways yeah. because of the lack of evasion <laughs> and also wanting to keep up blockers. Yeah, and also it has three uh, toughness, really so somebody could just trade like <laughs> yeah a random three power <laughs> thing. Which like there there aren't a lot of like three power things that you can just throw away, but there's certainly a lot of three power things that you'd be willing to trade for an active Rafine. Real <laughs> so a real sorry. It's the, God, yeah. it's dude <laughs> starts with starts with R <laughs> has an I in there. Both do discard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Revy, Duretti, Rafine, Riel. Hey, at uh, least it's not freaking. Um, there's Vadrick and Vadrock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, dude, the, the people who Vadrick. come up with names at Watsy, dude, they're they're sweating. They're like <laughs> they're just pushing these like Scrabble the Scrabble pieces around on their desk, trying to come up with like. Oh god! I was actually about to say Vadrick, also a very large thing in combat, and <laughs> blue red yeah. has overlap with Riel, which <laughs> is yeah. too much confusion. Um. So yeah, th that's our kind of last major category, and then we have kind of the the hot picks or whatever. So I wanted, do we, do we uh, at one point had a Thrasios, a four-way Thrasios Timna kind of like grind fest, like it's test adorable or whatever. that you said at um, where we were just point. testing a bunch of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the kind of idea was to test weird uh, tech pieces or, or whatever to kind of break an extremely mid-range Thrasios Timna heavy uh, meta. And one card that I tested uh, that I liked a lot was uh, Luminarch Ascension. And honestly, man, I just want that card to work because when it, if it gets online, which, you know, it's not crazy to get online, <laughs> yeah, I just, it is nasty. <laughs> I love I love that you're making this statement in current year when it's been a card that people have been trying to make work for like literally like four or five years at this point, probably even longer. Yeah, like. I know, but it's like, I'm just part of that team, man. I want this card to work. It's so sick. <laughs> Yeah, it, it the, the 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 actually the biggest downside to uh, Luminarch Ascension. So, because one of the things is like in, in our meta, you. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it can, but if you can, you know, you, you only play it when you can defend it. Um, but the Wait, uh, so you're the, already the one winning thing about combat. <laughs> anyway, continue. No, 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 no. It's in Thrasios Timna. It's everyone's playing freaking weenies, man. You know, it's not that hard to block stuff with the Thrasios and not be like actively losing combat. But the uh, the biggest drawback to Luminarch Ascension in that particular pod was I think everyone was running Steel Enchantment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Getting your Luminarch Ascension Steel Enchantment oh, is, so funny. is the worst. Because like I mean, part of the advantage, part of the uh, appeal of Luminarch Ascension is that it's not a creature. Um, at least in that pod, because you know everyone's on Gilded Drake. And there's lots of creature removal. So, like, if you were playing, like, a, a tender shoot dryad, like, there's a very real chance that it just gets stolen the turn that you play it, or, like, the turn after you yeah, play it. Whereas, yeah, you need to be able to defend it. Like, Luminarch Ascension um, doesn't yeah. really have You have to sandbag your Gilded Drake until at least two others have been played. Basically. <laughs> Dude, this this yeah. is how we get Jin Pong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my hot picks. Uh, Matt, Reed, you've got, you've got some? Sure, I've got, uh, I've got some. So, of course, Gorklaw 
you know, among the CEDH viable green decks, green storm decks, yeah. to be specific. Um, it's it still it's still like the fourth best in that category, which is hilarious. Marwin and probably Ashaya all above it. Oh, uh, set right, set yeah, sure. uh, set to, yeah, so it's fifth in the mono green storm and CDH category. <laughs> but bears, so there you go. Yeah. And of course, you know, the combat oriented card, strictly combat oriented card, Shaman of Forgotten Ways. Why do, why do we let you keep this on Because <laughs> you need 8 power, and it's you need to have a big board. It's basically combat damage at that point. It just, it just speeds it up a little bit. Uh, okay. Hot <laughs> See, unbanned bio-rhythm you cowards. Uh, Reed? Yeah, my my hot pick for the also the Thrasios Timna meta, but I, I I think it should just be played way more than it is. Is a Zell's persecution, fantastic that combat hot, trick. Yeah. It's 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 just such a great combat trick in the format, and it's in colors that you don't normally get pyroclasms in, so people aren't expecting it like ever. And also just being instant speed, like you don't even have to do it during attacks. You can do it during like somebody else attacking, and then mess with their combat instead. It's just and I guess, great. oh yeah, no, it, my my hot pick is. Not exactly. I guess it's more in line with Reed's hot pick, and it's uh, everyone's favorite red black hate bear, Mayhem Devil, because that card just oh, that yeah. card just makes everything <laughs> nice. like yeah. like just it it turns every like possible exchange into hey we can work this so it's in my favor, you know it's like. <laughs> yeah. I was. I'm actually. I'm surprised. I. I. I appreciate the Mayhem Devil pick, but I'm surprised that you didn't go for Kenrith's second activated build. Yeah, that, that one's that one's good too. But I, it's obviously like it's a much more dedicated. Like it's five mana and then more mana yeah, on yeah, later yeah. turns that you have to hold up as opposed to just slamming a Mayhem Devil and then like it just it's good against a bunch of different like combos. It's good against you know people trying to attack you can just work with people to kill off any sort of problematic permanent pretty easily well to kind of put a bow on this uh on this topic um i think that's actually yeah, we, that actually might be a decent just <laughs> like uh that, that's sort of a gut check huh we we can do a real gut check, but that was like no 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 very no, no, close. No. <laughs> um, it it does it. I yeah. Let's let's just have this be the uh, the, the gut check. <laughs> All right. Reed Reed can do his polling. Wait, the next one. wait. Um, <laughs> but uh, wait. Do you want to change your wait? Yeah, Matt, you yeah. have to pick Goreclaw or Shaman of the Forgotten Ways. Okay. Well. My last hot pick is Tago because why, <laughs> oh, gotcha. not give, why not give everything unblockable because no one's playing it. No, honestly, it's it's one of the it's one of the best Ragavan decks I've ever seen because Ragavan <laughs> is reliably gets in. <laughs> like I, it was so frustrating. I was playing against um uh Stell, uh friend of the show. Um, he was playing Thras Tago Rocks, which you should definitely everyone should check out that list by the way. Uh, that Stell and I uh worked on and um. I think it's on his profile on Moxfield. But uh he was he was I had Riel in play and was, you know, Riel's giant and a, a three toughness and he's attacking me with the Ragavan and I was just doing the like the Arthur fist. Like, Ugh! <laughs> I wanna block this, but I can't because of the stupid rock. Yeah. Um that's a good pick. Riel right? of like all of them is is unfortunate. Um yeah, so like I was saying, uh to put a bow on this kind of topic, uh 
you know, we, we there's a point here that we have about like combat being the most viable it's ever been. Um which I think is kind of true and it's honestly kind of a welcome sight that you know, there's no longer the meme of just CDH everyone not playing solitaire necessarily, but like just kind of sitting there doing their own thing behind a a creature and no one's, you know, thinking about combat. I I really like that um combat is something that we need to consider and you, you get a lot of advantage or you can find kind of edges to uh take advantage of by well really i mean like combat the, a lot. the game was designed around combat like we're playing a sub format of like magic the gathering which is like the primary way of playing the game is you interact in combat with people so it like don't tell me how to play the <laughs> game okay i'm, <laughs> so, like, I'm gonna just copy my copy spells as much as i so want just, like having having combat be part of a format is just like super healthy because it's what a lot of cards are designed around it's what a lot yeah, of like great. game mechanics are designed around it just like adds so much depth to the format when it's like something you have to think about right i don't think it's what the commander format was designed around. <laughs> i mean they put in commander damage you know like there there is that's, some aspects of combat that are uh that's a band-aid solution yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, 40 life really is a uh, a game changer when most cards in Magic, you know, that are combat oriented. Not just 40 life, but 40 times 3, you know? Um, it, it, most cards are designed around 1v1 20 life. It just makes it uh, hard to find these kinds of cards. So you just need to find the cards that scale extremely well. Um, yeah. Uh, definitely our listeners should try and uh, work more on, on uh, or everyone should just kind of work more on uh, assessing combat and no we should we really should go back to the format AI. where you could just play Teferi and have a reasonable expectation of untapping with it <laughs> the pre the, the, the Timno world yeah. turn four cast a fairy just untap without taking any loyalty damage <laughs> yeah that maybe that yeah uh, and I was actually gonna utter a curse sentence on him. I'm just gonna refuse to utter. Um, yeah. So no listener question uh, this week. Uh, you know we've got listener question channel on our Discord. Um, and a patron listener question. So if you're a uh, a patron, you get priority uh on listener questions. Um, but right now you know we don't have a ton of listener questions in. So you know, feel free to ask and uh, we'll probably answer it. Uh. That about wraps it up for uh, this episode. If you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoTheNorthPod, by our email, IntoTheNorthPodcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. Next, special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash IntoTheNorthPodcast. Another way you can support us is via our TCG Player affiliate link. So anytime you want to purchase something from TCG Player, if you use our affiliate link, which is in the podcast slash YouTube description, a portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slover for our lovely podcast logo, and to our video editor, Manta Ray Hat. The next episode will be up in two weeks. Until then, 